0: This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. At the forging table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's Word and welcoming all of you to come along on that journey with us. That's Matt. That's Eric. That's Caleb, and always in fifth chair is the ghost of Joby Martin, just hovering over the table, waiting for us to make a mistake. The only reason I say that is because literally every time we record, I won't even say anything, and then I'll just get a text from him. It'll just be like randomly, it's just some animal he's standing over in Africa that he just took down or whatever. But he's wearing an Undaunted Life hat, so that helps. So Joby, help us throughout this uh, podcast. To help make sure that we don't screw up. But we're digging into Proverbs 23 today. There's a lot of great things that you can talk about uh, in Proverbs 23, but right out of the gate, there, there's kind of a, a warning for people that I think is applicable to our time, but also the community that we all live in. Caleb, can you read Proverbs 23 verses one through four?
1: When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're a person of great appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Stop dwelling on it.
0: Yeah, so that's the NASB. In the ESV, verse 4, is do not toil to acquire wealth. So as soon as I read these first four verses, I just thought about how hard that is for driven men to not toil to acquire wealth. But I also thought about who, who can easily woo me because with a, you know, kind of being a natural salesman, but also being a competitor, I never want anyone to get anything over on me in a negotiation. I want to win in the game. I want to win, but I can easily be wooed by people that have money influence. And I've said this before, and I mean it like you could woo me with a sandwich. That's how much I like home cooking. Like you don't even need to make the bread and make the stuff. You can just make it for me and hand it to me. And I'll just be like, Oh, do you need me to work for you for a week? Because I will do that for you. But like, I can be so easily wooed by people and I've been taken advantage of before because somebody with with money said something flattering to me. And so I kind of go down that pathway and it's just like, I've gotten myself into trouble, not like, you know, trouble that I couldn't back out of, but especially in a community like ours where it's very affluent, there's a lot of money in the city that we're in and I don't know how it's been for you guys, but I mean, it's just, this is a great reminder to always have a little bit of hesitance with people. And just because they have money, doesn't mean they're smart. Just because they have money doesn't mean that their intentions are good either.
2: Yeah. I, I was immediately reminded of Edmund in the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, right? The, the witch wooed him with Turkish delight in order to get information from him and um, how that, I mean, that was, he he, he was drawn to it and uh, he wanted more and, you know, got pulled in. Um, I, I agree with you. It, people's intentions aren't always good. Uh, and I put down here, generosity shouldn't be approached with opportunism. Uh, and you know, from my end, I shouldn't look at people and go, Oh, they've got money. Maybe I can get something from them. Um, cause that <clears throat> that's bad as well.
3: Yeah. That, that speaks to you know, what James talks about in, 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 uh, the sin of partiality you know and not not letting the you know the the wealthy sit at the front of the church and make the the poor sit at the back you know and i i think it's so important that he puts in put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite it's that serious it's that serious of a thing that we should be on guard against and i think it's it's no coincidence that there are people who claim to be pastors who are very flashy with their material things and they they put on this front of, I am rich and I have all these things. I have all these things. I have these cars. I have this nice house. I have all of this money as an enticement to people to come in and drink of their wares. And if you're not on guard against that, you could easily fall down. And I, I don't think anybody is immune to that at all.
1: I think it's, I mean, you said on guard and that's what I think of with this. And I think the the thing also that kind of stood out to me was the stop dwelling on it. And and just in that it consumes us, you know, thinking about what we don't have and, you know, what other people have. And it comes on the heels of me just showing you the ridiculous house I went to. Yeah, it's like, that's great. Like, be in awe. It is impressive. But how much does it consume your thoughts, you know, and your time? That's like, that is, you know, all I'm after here is to get wealth. I mean, it doesn't say... Don't work hard, right? But it's just that, like, it's just that um, it's the only thing you're thinking about
0: all the time. There's also, so yeah, you did show us a video of this crazy house, you know, a lot of a lot of beautiful dead animals and all this kind of stuff. So it takes money to go on those trips to have them taxidermied and all that. But there's a power struggle that happens with people. That's always a tug of war. There's no neutrality in relationships between people. I used to work with a guy. I, I love him and I love his family. But he would do something on purpose that would drive me just absolutely insane because he's not a naturally late person, but he would make himself late to seem important. So you have a 10 a.m. meeting with him and he would be in his office ready to go at 10 a.m. He wouldn't even like, so the secretary would say, hey, you know, your, your 10 o'clock appointments here. It's five till 10. He could come and get them now. He would wait till 10:15 to come out to get you. And it was a, it was a power play. I'm, th- I'm reminded of the movie, uh, air where it's the movie about how they Nike went after Michael Jordan and they tell the CEO, uh, Phil Knight, Hey, come into the meeting with MJ 10 minutes late, but come in and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm so busy, you know, I'm running this huge multimillion dollar company, but I could not live with myself if I, if I did not come to this meeting, but it was a power play and a power struggle. People with money know how to manipulate. Now, I'm not saying that people with money are uniquely evil. I'm just saying they know how to manipulate to make you feel like you're on the losing side of the power ledger, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, and I, one of the thought that I, I had on that is that if I remember correctly, Paul, when he was uh, with folks, you know, the, the church of whatever, or in a city, he didn't ask for money. Um, he, didn't, he wouldn't take money. It was after he would leave um, then he would have people that would fund him, and I think part of that, if I remember correctly, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that he didn't want to be um, he didn't want to take something and and then them expect something back uh, from them. Um, he was there to preach and and to spread the gospel, not to be tied up with people giving them giving him something
0: so that they get something back. I agree with that. So let's go to verse 12. Eric, would you mind reading verse 12 for us? Sure. Apply your heart to instruction
2: and your ear to words of knowledge.
0: So, whenever I read this part, I thought, I literally wrote down, acquiring wisdom takes work. At least to some degree, as we established in our discussion of Proverbs 1, sometimes you need God to open up your eyes so that you're, you know, so that you can understand things. But the word apply and, and I don't know what the, the Greek or the, the Hebrew or the whatever is for that word apply, but that implies that the acquisition of wisdom does take work on our part. It takes a little bit of elbow grease. So that stood out to me.
3: Yeah, I think there's a, you know, we're all, we're all justified. Not all of us are justified, but if you're in Christ, you're justified, but then you're also being sanctified, which is an act, you're an active participation in your sanctification. Christ calls us to, to daily pick up our cross. thats a I mean that's a that's a decision that we have to make on a daily basis. It's not just a oh, good, so I don't have to do anything. there's work. There's work in the kingdom that is to be done and it it, it comes with an active participation.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, you, it, if you want to refi- refine gold, you have to it has to be tested by fire, right? So, um <clears throat> there is certain amount of work that goes into that and uh, walking through trials um coming out the other side i, I think of um I've, I've, i have an old patient that had ocd and it just became very obvious to me because we'd have conversations about washing her hands and she would wash her hands like 80 times a day at the minimum and she she would tell me she'd say eric i know i know that's not right i know that i don't need to do that but i can't stop doing it. It's like, so to have knowledge about something is great, but it's not good if you can't apply that knowledge and actually utilize it. You know,
1: when I think about applying myself to like, I think about my, I think about my mind. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say like apply my heart. Right. I mean, it's more of more of a decision, especially with discipline because you're Mm. you're thinking about discipline. It's things that are difficult. Typically. I mean, that's the way I think about it. It's things that I know I need to do. I don't necessarily want to do but I, I think it kind of speaks to being passionate. I mean, that's where passion comes from, right? Is our heart. So it's like, be passionate about the things that you know you need to do. Um, I mean, even discipline. And then, I mean, obviously we're going to get into talking about our kids and discipline and things like that, but I just think it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about being passionate with discipline.
3: I think the heart is, is used specifically because, um, that is the next step towards getting it. Like you can understand it with your head, but writing it on your heart. The heart is mentioned a lot of times in the Bible in, in that way. And Jesus, you know, Jesus talks about, um, where your heart is, your treasure lies also. And so what, and you, uh, my, my Sunday school teacher says, you could, you can tell a lot about somebody. Um, if you look at their schedule and their bank account, that's where their heart is. You can tell where their heart is pretty quickly without even knowing them. What do they spend their money on? What do they spend their time on? And, it, that that is a call to not just understand it up here in your head, but to have it be in your heart, to where it it just comes out of you. And I, that's what I think of when I when I see that.
0: Yeah, I guess I was focusing too much on the word apply because heart <laughs> just kind of like I immediately went to the head part of that, not the heart right. part, and it is completely different. But just think about it in a certain way. There was a, I think it was the last Summer Olympics, but there was a German power lifter. Whose wife had died in a car accident uh, before the Olympics, and he had to make a decision: Am I going to keep going down the path of trying to be a medalist in, in the Olympics, or am I, you know, am I going to give it up while I mourn? And long story short, on the very last lift, he does like 15 kilos higher of a of a clean and jerk than he had ever even attempted, and got it to win the gold medal, and so. <clears throat> He had set his mind his entire life on, you know, attaining perfect form and girth to, to do these exercises he needed to do. But when his wife died, it was like his heart clicked in to the process. Because for those of you that don't understand, when you're at that level of elite powerlifting, an extra two or three kilos is like a huge deal. We're talking 15 kilos. More than he had ever attempted his entire life. And he stuck it. Like it was, it was, it was like baby weight. He just freaking nailed it. And as soon as he dropped the weight, he melted. He just, I mean, he was excited, but he was crying. He's on the podium getting his gold medal and he's got a picture of his wife. And it's like he had went from, from head to heart. There. Mm. So that, that's a good point. I'm I'm glad you pointed that out.
2: Yeah, I'm reminded of Ezra seven ten. I was sharing that with someone this morning. It says Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. And so we see that it started with the heart. He had the heart to seek the law of the Lord. Then he had the application of actually doing it in the experience. And then after that he could teach. You know, so there is this kind of movement of from your head to your heart to your hands.
0: Yeah, I think heart. that's great.
3: I was just going to say the heart is very important. God, yeah. God talks about uh, writing the law on our heart. All of us have the law written on our heart. So that, is, that seems to be a very important thing to discuss when, when talking about the Bible and being on our heart, not just head knowledge.
0: Well, as we go ahead here, I need to go ahead and apologize to the audience because I thought it'd be a good idea to have ice in my cup, but this is one of those fancy cups where the ice doesn't melt. So if you hear this, Santa is not coming to our studio. That's me taking a drink. Don't spank me. Spanking a spanking segue. Caleb, let's talk about verse 13. Can you read that for Nailed us? Nailed it.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, do not withhold discipline from a child, though you strike him with the rod. He will not die. I love that.
0: <laughs> My very first thing I wrote down in all caps was spank them kids. And so the thing about it is, and I don't know where everyone lands on this, so everyone's going to have to put themselves in a category, but there are entire, like, um, uh, what am I, what am I trying to think of, uh, reality television shows or segments where they will just bring a room full of parents in there and they will ask this question, do your spank your kids? And it is drama. For ninety minutes, just knock down, drag out, and the funny—that's not really funny. This is kind of predictable. No, no parents, even the you know the ones that are pro spanking, are quoting this because of all of Proverbs twenty-three. I would say that's probably the most oft-cited, at, at least in my experience. But for me, for my wife and I, you know, before having kids and having those discussions, we never considered not spanking, right? And I know in this modern era of Instagram influencer moms that never give their kids red dye number seven that's in all these gummy snacks and they do all these other crunchy things. And oh, we always get on our kids' eye level so they understand that blah, blah, blah and all this bull crap. It's like, okay, well, there's age old wisdom here that a kid will fear the rod of their parents. But again, it's like you will strike him with a rod and he will not die. And I think about it haven't you said that a million times to your wife when your son especially is doing something somewhat dangerous it's like boo he might fall out of the tree he's not going to die like or he did fall out of the tree it's like he's not dead look at him like he might need to be resuscitated but he's he's going to make it so for us we've always been pro spanking some people have made the argument why would you tell your kid not to hit and then their punishment is to hit them but again, a kid hauling off and hitting their sister in the face is different than swatting them on their bottom. Don't you think there was something to the design of the tukus where God was like, okay, this is where the correction will happen on a kid's tail that has the most amount of meat. You didn't need to go to school for that to understand that the booty's got the most amount of meat on the body to where it's like, it's going to be painful and it's going to sting, but it's not going to irreparably harm them and hurt them. So anyway, let's dig into that spanking parenting, yada, yada, whoever go. I'll
2: go first. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, part of it, I, and I dug into the kind of what, what is this? What was this rod? Uh, and we see in Psalms 23 is rod and his staff guide me. We, we, you think about shepherds uh, guiding and correcting the sheep, trying to keep them doing what they're supposed to do. So I, I would assume there are times where the rod is used to just kind of nudge. And there's times maybe where it's a little harder hit to kind of correct. Um, and so that's where I, when I was doing my digging, kind of landed. We, my my family is not, we don't have any problem with spanking, but I do think that it takes Uh, setting expectations, you know, am I going to spank my kid because they didn't fully blow off the, the back porch, you know, like I told them to versus if they told their, their brother or sister that they were a fool and whatever, and was cutting them down in front of their friends or whatever, you know, there, there has to be certain, um, levels, I guess, if that makes sense. I mean, expectations of this is what you get. If, if you do this, and I and I uh, Greg Gunn, who uh, is not a close friend of mine, but he, he has a organization here in town. I I, I appreciate the fact that he once said, you know, we do not stand for um, people within the family cutting each other down. Like that's a high offense in our family. Is if you are denigrating someone, and so we don't stand for that. Now you may not fully do a job ride, or you might, you know, say I'm not going to do this or whatever, uh, and, and that will have its own. uh its own punishment. But um, I, I do think that that's part of it. And then I will say this. I mean, I, I don't think we should ever get excitement or enjoyment out of punishing our kids. I think it should be one of those things that we're, we're sad to have to do yeah, we're reluctant. Right? Yeah. This right. is not what I wanted to do. I, I'm not somehow satisfying some anger inside of me because you've done this for the 10th time. And now I finally, I'm going to get to whack your bottom. You know, um, I think it should be done with this kind of idea that, um, you know it it I, it needs to be done it, it's what we have established I don't want to have to do it and and it comes after one if I need to cool off it comes after I've cooled off and that I fully explained to the child like you know this is what we this is what you did you know and this is what we said we were going to do and and you had a discussion around that and then I mean that's how it was in my family and I really appreciate my parents being that way.
3: Yeah, I think there's there's obviously categories of things that you should and shouldn't spank for, but um, one thing that comes to mind is spanking in lieu of death. So I, I we have we have spanked specifically in this situation with both of our kids. Kid goes towards the street. They're running. They're about to. They're about to run out in the, in the street. There's a car coming, or even if there's not a car coming, because we've done this in both situations grab that child and you there is a healthy swat there is some pain that they now associate with a potentially death situation and that is that is in lieu of them dying because they didn't know and so now they can okay yeah i shouldn't go in the street dad spanked me and then there's this then there can be this conversation about understanding but i think the the justice and grace should be present at all times in that, and so we are spanking as a punishment here's why, but i'm I want to be a dad that will spank to as a punishment and and to teach a lesson, but then hug and hold i am i like I am forgiving you, you should know this, but I'm going to grab you, and I'm going to embrace you and bring you in to let you know that. I, I'm still your dad. I still love you because I think the worst thing we can do, and that, that's why I'm preaching the whole gospel is paramount. The worst thing we can do is spank and leave. Yeah, spank and, and reject, ha- and ha- that yeah, the re- that's that's it. Like the rejection, and that is that is terrible because then how do we teach them that a God who is full of justice is also full of grace when they can't see that, like personified in us? That's that's a really dangerous place to be so yeah i mean i think it all comes with a it's all
1: you know it's relative within like what what kid it is what's the situation like you mentioned like if if they just hit their sibling that might be a time you choose not to spank and you just do something different right for their consequence or you come back i mean when i think of withholding it the only time i'm going to withhold it is when i'm really pissed (laughs) right because i know like i i want to hurt you right now because i'm mad so i mean that's when i'll i'll step back and You know, then come back later, or say, "Hey, I'm tapping out," and you know, you got this one. Um, So, that's that's what I'm thinking of there. But I mean, I I love in 14 too. It's that it it doesn't get any more clear than this. It's you shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol.
3: Yeah, that's that's exactly that's that's in lieu of death. And I think God is wrathful, and the wrath of God is is very can be very scary to think about. And to everybody's kind of said the same thing: like we shouldn't spank out of anger. Um, and I think we, we go to a place where, oh, well, you know, God is wrathful. You are going to, you are going to see my wrath while well, our wrath is a lot different than God is never unhinged. And I think we can spank and you could categorize sometimes as unhinged in that where you're spanking because you're angry and that can be harmful physically and that can be harmful emotionally. And I think we should, we should be on guard against that for sure.
0: Okay. Well, let's take that scenario. You get level ten mad at your kid, and you spank them immediately. And you you didn't remember to throttle down because mm-hmm. they're four, right. and that is a great time to Matt's point and to Eric's point, where you can go before them and say, "I love you. I don't reject you. You deserve the punishment you got. However, Dad, I sinned too. Mm. Dad, I made a mistake.
3: Hundred percent." I mm-hmm. hit
0: you too hard. I caused you too much pain. And like again, I've got a 3-year-old. That's my oldest. He's not going to understand that. Mm-hmm. But he understands that dad loves him because that's one thing. My wife did a great job of kind of teaching me this, like in or revealing it to me. But after I spank my son, I let the wailing and gnashing of teeth go on for a little bit, and then I say, "Come here. Give me a hug." And then I will hold him and say, "Do you know why you got a spanking?" like are you going to do that again and again he's three of course he's going to do it. he's probably going to do it in the next 5 minutes but like that that kind of gives you an opportunity to sure. show some humility and apologize to your kid which for guys with pride issues of which i am a, you know the king of that's a good thing to remember that if you go out over your skis don't be like well he deserved the spanking correct but multiple things can be true at the same time and it's right.
3: okay to ask for forgiveness from your kid mm-hmm. like i grew up in a time and i'm i'm <laughs> so you guys did too where um if you didn't know matt is what 87 time seven year old <laughs> 85, <laughs> 85 year old Matt over here i don't know why i said that <laughs> uh, i think we we all came from a time where it was i'm right because i'm your parent and i'm not going to seek forgiveness from you because i am your authority figure and i don't need to seek forgiveness from you now i think you can take that too far but mm-hmm. i think it is okay to say to ask for forgiveness from your child because like that, that is something that they should, they should learn. How do, how do they learn that if that's not mirrored? How do they ask for forgiveness if you're not also mirroring that as well? So yeah. Sure.
2: Paul, David Tripp, you know, he, he says, we're all in a rescue mission for our kids, you know, for the souls of our kids, but that, that requires that we understand that we, we need the same grace that they, they need. You know the same mercy that they need, and so being able to come down to their level and say, you know, un- and understand that we were like them, and and not that we're not like them now. Or maybe our tendencies are different, but that we're sinners just like them. I mean, there's a lot of power. I've got a 14 year old as of yesterday, and. There, there have been times when I've had to apologize to him for things I've done and it, it is restorative. Mm. Uh, it's not fun having to apologize to my kid, but it is restorative and it's powerful. Um, and it also, it levels the playing field on the whole depravity thing. Like we, he knows that he should not look to me as his God. And, uh, and, uh, and then that, and that allows me then to point him to someone that, uh, better Christ.
0: Right. Dad's you have no idea either how powerful and long lasting the memory of asking your child for forgiveness will be like so i can go back and i've talked about before i've done entire episodes dedicated to my father my dad has never apologized to me to me for anything that he's ever done except 6th grade football practice i am sick as a dog and so i go out to practice and i am dogging it like because i'm sick I didn't know I was sick. I knew I didn't feel well. And my parents, including my dad, obviously, they didn't care if I played sports, but if I was going to play sports, they were going to support me, and they expected me to give it full effort, okay? But if I didn't want to play sports, they weren't going to, you know, chastise me for it. Well, my dad, short drive home, but he rips me up one side and down the other for not giving full effort at practice. And I'm just, I'm sobbing, and I'm sad, and I'm sick. Well, I go to the doctor the next day. I had the flu, right? Right. And so when we got sick, we got two things we didn't normally get. We got Gatorade and we got goldfish guys. I know I'm fancy. <laughs> I come from, I come from, you know, super high class. And uh, my favorite was Parmesan goldfish. And so the way my dad said, I'm sorry to me. Think about the detail I'm telling the story with. This is how impactful yeah. it was on it. He buys me two packages of Parmesan goldfish. It doesn't say a word. He just gives them to me. And I knew he was acknowledging he had done wrong that, He, he ripped me up one side down the other for no reason. And I remember that to this day, how much more would it be valuable to your son or daughter to where you sit them down and maybe even take it back to scripture and say like, look, the reason why I spanked you is because in Proverbs 23, 13 is because I wanted to be able to put you on the path towards salvation because your kids will survive this short lived punishment, but they will live a more disciplined life overall. And, you know, you're putting them on the road to salvation. It's it's about way more than care it's character training. It's not behavioral modification in and of itself. You know what I mean? But I do have one little thing and then I would love if you guys would flow on this and if unless I say it perfectly, then just everybody sit there quietly and, and look at me in awe of my greatness. But I have a caution for the men in the audience that are typically more subservient, who are married to more powerful women. Because if you are more subservient And the powerful woman in your household is anti-spanking. And you just go along with that because you don't want to feel her wrath. That's wrong. That is wrong to do. And we see the exact reason why here. It is your job as the role of the head of the household to provide headship and to lead in that way. And to lead her as you lead your children. And so don't just default to your wife because she controls the sex. Don't just default to your wife because she controls whatever parts of your relationship. When your kids are at stake, I mean, I've talked to guys who will not have firearms in the house because their wife thinks they're scary. And it's like, well, have fun trying to block bullets with your palms, you puss. Like, because at the end of the day, like, that's what your wife is leading to. And what's the excuse going to be if something goes wrong? Oh, well, my wife didn't like it. Oh, okay, that that's going to be a problem. So I would just... I would give you that caution that if she is strong-willed, even if she's got good points because she, you know, listened to a couple of Instagram influencers and their opinions on spanking, acknowledge her opinion, but then lead her down a corrective path because it's to the redounding benefit of your children. And that's okay if she's going to be a little bit mad. That's what I would say to that.
3: Well, you can you can point her to scripture, but it's not just Proverbs 23. It sure. is It is, the Old Testament is full of... God using his rod to save his people from Sheol and using and Sheol is the grave that's the hell, grave, hell yeah. right in in using corrective action letting things happen to them making things happen happen to them using other nations to help sanctify his holy people to to worship him and it's i mean that's a theme throughout all of scripture is and, and you can see it right here. That's a, one of the major themes is right here in that verse. God using his rod to sanctify his people.
2: Yeah, and, and, and it, we don't know. I mean, you have to have conversations, but maybe your wife came from a a family that just swatted for everything. You know, you spilled milk. You get a swat. You know, you um, you acted childish or impulsive. You got, you got spanked. You know, may, maybe it's coming from that standpoint, too. So, I mean, I, that's why I think it's really important that if you're going to go down that path, one, you got to have conviction. I mean, we can hear, it, you can hear what Kyle said and, and that's cool, but unless you can feel it inside and you're like convicted yet, yeah, I need to kind of take charge of my home in this area. Um, it's not going to go anywhere, but at this, you know, it, when you feel that conviction and you step into that, you just set some boundaries, right? You're not going to just swat your kid for nothing. Right. Um, so there's no, you don't have, have fear over that. Um, set those boundaries.
1: When this you goes back to, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, well, you just mentioned Paul David Tripp and talking about, I mean, he one thing he talks about all the time is we're not trying to correct behavior. We're trying to correct the heart, right? Is that it's like, you know, if you're if you're going to give your kid a consequence like that every time they break something, I mean, you know, that's going to be a long road, right? But like really what you're after is a correction of their heart. So yeah, one thing I was going to mention was just the, the verse about uh, fathers don't exasperate your children. I, I would say there's been periods of time with all of our boys that, um we we didn't spank them as much because we knew that that's like that's gonna just increase everything like it's gonna send them down a bad spiral right now we'll say like it resumed again I mean once we all once we kind of they grew past that point of like just being totally out of control that they had a little bit more self discipline it's okay this is a consequence you have right but I mean there were periods of time where we felt like timeouts were more effective right than you know a couple of kids that we had that you spank them and it's just like crank up the volume
3: yeah you know? have to understand your kids for sure so right. our our oldest you know he's he's kind of aged out of spanking for most things and how, now how old is he he's sure. eight and sending him to his room to be by himself because he's like his dad he likes to be around people and if you send him to his room he that is that is torture a, yeah a terrible yeah. punishment for him he's he just, like, Oh, why? oh, but he he learns a lesson there, and that is a punishment where whereas a spanking might not be in that specific scenario, but I right. like what you were saying there with the heart like that it does it does go back to verse twelve, apply your heart to instruction and where is your heart in the discipline? Are you doing it just to do it? and I think going to Kyle's point about husbands who who aren't in a household that spanks and want to get there we're why we're doing it. Because God doesn't have grandchildren and we care about our children's souls. Mm -hmm. We want to instruct them in the way of the Lord so that they too will walk in that and, and, and be clothed in Christ's righteousness one day. And of of course, that should be our prayer for all of our kids, but it's, it's a lot more difficult to get them there if you're not an active participant. It's not convenient,
1: but it does bear fruit. And it's such a small way to show them that the Lord disciplines us too, right? He disciplines I mean, who, who he loves. Absolutely. Hebrews yeah, 12. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember that reminds me of high school baseball. It's like, you know, if the, if the coach isn't yelling at you, it's because you suck. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he's done, with you know, you know, know. Yeah. like, yeah, he's I'm pretty
3: much the written bench. you off. That is such, that is such oh a good point. Like, if you know he loves you you know God loves you because he's disciplining you. That's really funny. Well, it
0: kind of sucked extra for me because on my high school baseball team of 19 guys, there were four Kyles. (laughs) So Kyle was getting screamed at constantly. (laughs) And so it didn't always apply to you. But yeah, that's good stuff there. Brownie, could you read 17 and 18? Sure.
2: Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off.
0: there's fear of the Lord again, but the big thing here is envying sinners. Because I don't know what it's like for you guys, but you get to points in life where maybe you're frustrated. So let's take a subject matter that I think a lot of guys in the audience may feel, but let's say it's sexual frustration. And so, you know, your mind, your P's and Q's, you don't look at porn, you don't jerk off, but maybe your wife is not as sexually available as you would like her to be. And then you'll hear a story about I don't know. Some celebrity who's slept with five supermodels in the last 4 days or is, is something ridiculous like that and you'll find yourself just being like, "Oh man. That would kind of be cool." Like, I'm not going to go to hell if I did that, but like you just you you let yourself daydream a little bit, a little bit. But it's like the, the wisdom in that for me is you should avoid envying people that don't do what God says to do because there is a there's something at the end of the rainbow for those people too and it's not going to be great. Yeah, they had a lot of fun times, you know, they, they got to ejaculate a bunch. Good, good for them, right? But it's going to lead to the same depraved and dark place if that's going to be what defines their life. And so guys, like when you're envying sinners for their sinful behavior, oh man, like I want to, I wish I could just take drugs, but I got to take my kids to practice. Like it's just, you're, you're envying the wrong parts of people that are not going to, it's not going to bring life to you. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I think this takes me. This this immediately makes me think of Psalm seventy three, a Psalm of Asaph, where in verse three it says, "For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked," and I think what that makes me think of is. What is our source of truth? Where, where Where do we stand? What ground do we stand on? Because if we're using the metrics of this world, number of women we've slept with, amount of money in the bank account, uh, size of house, like number of friends, like there are lots of metrics we could use to say that person or this person is successful, and even the wicked prosper, and even those who are not seeking God, even even the, even the unbelievers. Uh, can prosper and, and I think that's such a dangerous place to be where we think oh that guy has a lot of money he must be blessed no 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 God yeah. would say otherwise because even the wicked can prosper and have lots of money and lots of things and lots of women and lots of all of those things so where where is your truth where are you grounded
2: well, I yeah that. and I, I was just thinking you know success of the world is different than success in God's eyes you know success in the world is what you've already said the money and the sex and all that sort of thing and Um, but the success in God's eyes is faithfulness to your calling, you know, Uh, because then it doesn't matter what it actually looks like. It's just, were you faithful or not? You know, did, were you the Billy Graham that spoke to millions of people or were you the, uh, trash collector that saw a guy that was on the side of the road and spoke to him, you know, and it's equal in God's eyes. Were you, were you, were you, were you doing what he asked you to do in when he called you?
1: I think like that fear of the Lord thing, again, like we talked about, I mean, you think about the pleasure that comes from a lot of the things that we would potentially envy from sinners and how temporary it is, right. And how lasting the consequences are. I mean, that's kind of what I think keeps me a little bit more grounded is just that, I mean, this is, this is such a, whether it's, you know, losing your mind some Friday or Saturday night when you're out with your buddies or whatever it is, it's like, it's so temporary, but the potential consequences are just, they're lasting. especially if you're, if you're a family guy, if you've got, you've got kids, I mean, all those things, like it's not, it's just not worth it. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of what I think of with that. It's in, in the key is that fear of the Lord, right? I mean, and I I think also if you, and this is probably a conversation for another time, but if you believe in rewards in heaven, I mean, this is also something that you, that would, would come to mind when you're thinking about what, how you're going to conduct yourself every day.
0: So I I think that I want to skip over a bunch of other stuff I was planning to talk about. Maybe we can go back because something you said really triggered what we can discuss in verses 26 through 28. Matt, could you velvety in a very velvety way uh, read 26, 27 (laughs) guys. The reason why I keep bringing this up is because like I talk like I talk and it just sounds like my voice is being drugged through gravel. That's on fire. And Matt just kind of opens his mouth and like, caramel just kind of comes out of his mouth and there's just a stream of it all over the table and i'm mega jealous so how about you use your major resonant voice and make verses 26 through 28 sound Uh, good
3: i'm glad this is in black and white too because my face is definitely red. yeah good good Uh, keep going like fiery hot caramel it's red yeah um you said 26 through 28. 28 okay my my son give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways for a prostitute is a deep pit an adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind.
0: So the very first thing I wrote was, "Watch out for them hoes." Okay, this is this is age-old wisdom. That's probably its own proverb in and of itself. But then after I, you know, stopped being a thirteen-year-old boy, it was from the message. <laughs> that, that was the the message <laughs> translation. That's from the path, the Passion Bible. Um, but here, here's the reality. Is men mega struggle with the siren song where every man has a pit that they're more susceptible to fall into. You know, in my life, I know men that are susceptible to the money pit, trying to get as much of it as possible, and they will bend the rules and they will lie and cheat and steal to get more of it. There are men that have a propensity for chemical attraction. So some, there's something in alcohol. That is compelling to them in a way that's not to other people, maybe it's other illicit substances or drugs or maybe it's sloth or maybe it's you know whatever. But for most men it's this it's that woman that works in the same you know cubicle farm as her or as as him, and you know they they laugh a little extra at his jokes and they you know want to talk to him about the problems they're having with their boyfriend and, and it, guys we've we've all heard this some of you have gone down it because when, it, when adultery takes place, that is, that's like a f- hundred-step process to get, to get to there. It's not, I showed up at work one day, and then I just tripped and fell and landed in this, inside this woman. Like That's not how it goes. But for men, we don't slow down our decision-making process to, to even identify places where we can set up a roadblock. But how many instances throughout Scripture do we need to be warned about adultery? Because people will point out, well, hey, you know, Jesus is a descendant of Bathsheba and David, and this is, this is all great and good. It's like, that's not the point of that story, that if you sleep with some hoe, that at some point down the road, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Like, that's not the point. The point is, is that God can do with depravity what he will do with it, and he will turn it around for his glory and his good. But man, like, I don't know of a way, guys, to caution guys more, to not play with this level of fire for most women, they would rather you hit them than, than to cheat on them. Like that, They would literally rather be bloodied and battered than to be cheated on because you're not just cheating on their body, you're cheating on their soul at that point because you have become one flesh with them before a holy God made a covenant before that God for that relationship and you just sold it down the road for a few minutes of pleasure. So I'd love to kind of hear you guys talk a little bit about that because I know this is a problem for guys in my
3: audience. We could probably camp out here for a long time, but being faithful is what God calls us to be to Him, and and obviously marriage, He uses marriage as the description of the church. Like we are, we as the church are His bridegroom. We are to be faithful. He calls Israel a prostitute a lot. (laughs) He calls His people prostitutes because they're unfaithful, they're immoral, and I think this to me is a good reminder that while we are justified, Christ died for our sins, we are delivered from the dominion of sin, but we are not yet delivered from the presence of sin. And so that we are in Christ means that we, are, we stand justified before God and sin has no power over us. While we're still on this side of eternity, there is still sin to be dealt with, and we should fight that. And if you're, if you're, this is a call to be prepared. Like be on guard, be prepared for these. Cause it's not, it's not if it's a win. They, like, like you said, Kyle, like guys are visual and guys, guys tend to fall into that trap. And it, it the, the narrow well and the deep pit, that's not a coincidence either. That's a, that's a, you know, that's kind of an analogy for hell and something that you can't escape from. And so, yeah, I think, I think that is a, very, very convicting thing, or at least it should be for all of all of us.
2: Yeah, and I've, I looked at this and read it a couple of different ways, and it just this is one of those times where I do feel like the the dad is is saying, listen, and he grabs his son by the temples and he pulls him in, and he's eye to eye with him. He's like, you've got to not miss this. I need to tell you something extremely important, and he tells him, you know, because it's that that important. There are not very many. I don't know of very many verses where. Um, where it says to flee, but this is definitely in a situation where, when it de- when you're dealing with sexual temptation, that you are asked to flee, and the reason is what you, you've already said. It's because it is probably the number one area where guys are going to trip up. You know, um, they're 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 going to fall if if they're not careful. We don't. You can't mess around with. You can't flirt with. You can't. What was it? Hold holes to your bosom, you know, it's going to burn you. That's just not going to work. So I, you know, I learned a couple of things like as a manager in my business, I've got to do yearly reviews with some of my employees. And so oftentimes I'll, you know, uh, I have to, you know, I have to get them one on one and I have women that work with me, but if that requires me to go here or there uh, where there's not You know other people around then i always let my wife know and she thinks that's funny but i'm just like no seriously you need to know because invariably what's going to happen is i'm going to go and i'll just be doing some innocent deal of giving them their yearly review and one of your friends is going to walk by the window and see this girl and i talking and is going to flip out and and start drama you know so we have to be above reproach you know setting hedges you know and, and we could go down a long path, like you said, of all sorts of things in this area. But like, if you have not let's made, let's go it, down it. Let's just yeah.
0: camp here. Yeah.
2: Well, man, I, you know, and I, I remember at Connecticut camps, and I was 13 years old, and we had the same kind of talk about fleeing sexual temptation and, and and whatnot, and staying pure till marriage. And I remember for whatever reason, it, it made sense, and I said, okay, I'm going to make a decision today that I'm going to remain pure <clears throat> until marriage. I'm not going to have sex. Before marriage. And I'm so glad I did. And it was honest. It was an honest decision because, from, not from that day, but several, you know, a couple, two or three, four years later, I was in those situations. It was available. And, and there, it was, you know, there was this trigger in my heart that, that said, no, nope, you made this decision. Don't do it. Flee. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God got me on that. And I, I think Go he, you,
1: I mean, the, the prayer that I've prayed for myself often and for my kids is to let, to let my eyes delight in his ways. Right. From verse 26. Um, I think also about in in 28, she lurks as a robber. Like if you think about like, if you knew, if you were coming home and you knew there was a robber at your house, let's say like, you're not going to roll up the driveway, open up the garage and run into the middle of the living room. And that's when you're on guard. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, you're going to think about everything. Like, how am I going to approach the house? Like what's the plan here? You know what I mean? So when I think about, I, I think about boundaries when I think of these verses and it's like, if I set my boundary at, this is not to, to poke at what you just said, but like if I set my boundary at don't have sex, then what am I going to do? I'm going to yeah. go right up to it and I'm going to be like, okay, it's decision time. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like And,
1: that, and that's what I did as a, as a high schooler and it, and it was a, a disaster. But it's like if I set my boundary at, I'm never going to, kiss a woman until i'm married or i'm never going to lay with a woman until i'm married what you know whatever that is like that has to be the
3: boundary i think that's a product of purity culture saying and we're we're all a product of of what would be considered in the evangelical world the purity culture where it was a hard line at sex but everything up to that right well you didn't have sex and i that that's that's caused a lot of probably a lot of issues in marriage, a lot of issues in just relationships in general, a lot of relations or a lot of issues with your walk with God. And if that's the line, like you said, like that's man, you're gonna do right. everything up to that point. And well, like the, you think the, about someone good. on their
1: wedding day, sorry to no, go, real, go but go. like if that was their first kiss on their wedding day, do you think they're thinking like, Man, this is it's kind of lame. I wish I really would have, you know, made out with a lot of girls up to this point. No. Like it's it's because they saved the
0: precious the preciousness of that moment. Right. Like someone said the other day. Oh, it was um. What's paid Manning's dad? Uh, Archie. 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 So, Archie was talking about like, shut up, Matt. What are you laughing for? All right. I had a brain fart. He's sad he didn't, you you didn't say jerk. Tim Tebow. Yeah. No, it's just if you way, don't know, Matt Grassman hates Tim Tebow. Like hates him. He thinks he's the, the way, worst.
3: It was the way Eric's sound came into my headphones. Like he was so far away. It sounded like he was like in another room. <laughs>
0: Whatever. So Archie Manning. So he said this was on like the SEC. It may have been a 30 for 30 about the, the book of Manning. And so he's talking about all three of his sons. Great. If you guys have a chance to watch it. But Archie is just kind of this all shucksy type guy you know he's got his all shucks type wisdom but he talked about it, he's like yeah i never really looked back on the time i spent with my family and reg- regretted it and just yeah. kind of shrugged his shoulders <laughs> and so it's like you're not gonna look back on all those missed makeouts or all those missed you know whatevers and think gosh i really wish i would have given a little bit to that girl and right. you know when i was 17 and you know i didn't save it for my wife but i think the thread that's going through what we're all saying is something that i talk about all the time and it's pre-decision. You make the decision before it's decision time. So I normally talk about it in a self-defense scenario. So if you carry a firearm or if you're thinking about it and you have not decided whether or not you can take life to preserve life, it's going to be too late. Whenever bullets are flying or whenever, you know, the wolf is trying to take a sheep, that's not the time to have that decision. But what I think guys need to do is I'm a scenario guy. The reason why it takes me forever to fall asleep is because stuff I talked about in previous episodes, I put myself into scenarios and I'm like, what would I do in this scenario? And I'm just thinking about, okay, if somebody broke in on this side of the house, what would I do? Or if, you know, yesterday I was at uh, this place here locally called chicken and pickle. It's like pickleball courts and all this outdoor stuff. And I literally was sitting there like around the bocce ball section and there's a fence about 20 yards away from me. And on the other side of the fence is a parking lot. And I saw a truck by itself. And I was like, okay, if a woman's being like abducted on that side of the parking lot. And, you know, I'm the same distance away from the car. How quickly could I get across this 20 yards, jump over this fence in a single bound to try and stop that? That's kind of ridiculous. I I understand, but you're putting yourself in scenarios. So back to this part of scripture, I've put myself in the scenario because I do get invited to come and speak places. So I've come to some place, I've got a hotel and I go to the venue, I speak, and now I'm back at the hotel and I don't want to go out anywhere. So I'm just going to eat at the hotel bar. And a lady that was at my talk comes up to me at the hotel bar and wants to chat me up about my speech and how great it was and how much she's struggling in her marriage and how she wished she had a guy like me or how she did da and all that and i go all the way in that scenario to her not so subtly you know handing me a card to her room and in that moment i put myself there to her if that happens I'm not even going to say anything. I'm going to drop a hundred dollar bill on the bar to cover my tab and the tabs for the people around me. And I'm going to book it out of the hotel, right? I will get a different hotel. I will go somewhere where this woman will never be able to find me. And some people are like, well, that's kind of ridiculous and kind of extreme, but it's like, is it though? Because a defining moment in your relationship could be the time whenever you became an adulterer right? And not just in your mind, which Jesus drew the line there as well, but where you physically became an adulterer and gave your wife basically the power to divorce you now without, without problems. And so for guys that are listening to this, you have to put yourself in those scenarios because you have to pre-decide before you go into this, you know, meeting for an annual review with a female employee that I'm going to comport myself in a way. That isn't joking. That isn't flirtatious. That isn't whatever. Also, predecide that I'm not going to spend extra time thinking about women in my life that are not family of mine or that I'm not married to. I'm not going to give myself over to those thoughts. If you're following someone on Instagram or something like that for a business purpose, and then all of a sudden they start posting bikini pics, that's a great time to unfollow or to silence or you know whatever you can do. Mute. There you go. And so that's that's the thing for guys. It's like predecision and put yourself in scenarios where yeah go ahead
3: i think the scenarios thing is is a really good point and i think if you haven't there's a you you have a previous episode with with mike glover where you talk specifically about that with him and he talks about you know training police forces for and, you know they'll they'll go through the protocol and the protocol's great but protocol is very rarely how it actually happens. Mm -hmm, Right. And so I think we can all go, Oh yeah. If a girl was like, yeah, let's have sex. I could say no, but that's not how any of that is ever going to happen. No. Like you're never going to just randomly run into somebody and then go and then offer themselves up to you. So it's, it's running through those scenarios like you're talking about of, okay, what do I do if this happens? And it, and it, it, like, this is such a cliche and it's, 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 it's so funny, but like that, that song by um, Casting Crowns, it's a slow fade. It, it really is. It doesn't, nobody wakes up and goes, I'm going to cheat on my wife today. It happens over time. Nobody says I want to sin. It's just a compromise here. It's a compromise there. And I'm saying that to myself just as much as I'm saying that to anybody else. Cause that like, you could easily progress down that very quickly yeah. if you're not thinking about those scenarios and not saying and not not being prepared.
1: It's almost never like some, you know, passion filled random encounter, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost always like That's an emotional movies. thing. Yeah, That's yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's you know if you see like you know someone that, you know, this they did this and you see who they did it with and you're almost always like, Really? Yeah. You know? But it's yeah. because it was emotional, it was over time. It was they chose to put themselves in those positions time and time again. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I
2: was just thinking that you said um, earlier about, you know, you start, you're following someone, they start p- posting like bikini pics. I would just say like, if there if there's someone that you are following on some kind of social media or whatever, and you know, or, you know, I, I don't know who your like crush was growing up. Melissa, Alyssa Milano was mine um, growing up, you know, but like, and so, you know, I have to fight that whole thing, but I mean, I'm, I'm way beyond that now, but it's, but if, if you've got someone in mind like that, or you're following someone, the reality is, is you know you might come across someone that actually looks like that or, or acts like that or whatever you're you're set up already because you have a fantasy about someone that maybe is untouchable and you never meet but you'll meet someone kind of like
0: that you know right and tell someone so there are certain people that you simply cannot avoid right and maybe they are you're super attracted to them but for whatever reason, your job or your class that you're in or something like you can't avoid this person, but you don't need to just keep those feelings pent up. You tell a trusted confidant, Hey, here's the scenario. And I know some people have a a marriage that they can tell their wife that I remember talking to a guy that worked at a church and, um, there was, and he had a history of significant levels of adultery so much so that he fathered a child outside of wedlock with, with a mistress and this mistress was one of several mistresses for this man. And he and his wife had gotten past that. If you can believe it and their marriage stayed together and, you know, they embraced this, this love child, like all, all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a new girl that came and was part of the worship team. And this girl did not really leave a lot to the imagination in what she would wear on stage. And, without being too crass, she would wear certain things where if you're on an elevated platform stage, there's not a whole lot of people in the front row that are going to be able to, you know, be distracted away from what is potentially available to their eyes. Hopefully I didn't cross any lines there. But he went to his wife and said, hey, uh, the new girl, I'm kind of attracted to her. And when he said, yeah, when he said that, I was like, you to- wait, you told your wife that? And he was like, dude, what you don't understand is we've gotten to such a level of health that I can tell her something like that and she won't be wounded by it. She had to think about it for a little bit, but what she turned that into is she pulled that gal aside and didn't tell her what her husband said, but she said, Hey, I think I think you and I need to have a discussion about modesty. Because you're a beautiful young lady and you're obviously very stylish and you know, you have a good sense of style and all that. However, in the placement where you are on stage there are a lot of men looking at you and they're not worshiping God. And she was able to turn that into, as opposed to being like, Oh, this young version of me that my husband's attracted to. She turned it into a good thing. Now I would say that that is a rarity that most people don't have that type of relationship with their wife. But the overall wisdom that I would give you is tell a trusted foxhole member, a guy at your forging table, Hey, I'm about to go into a scenario Where people are gonna be, you know, I'm gonna have bombs dropped on me. Like I need a little bit of cover. Cover me in prayer. Hey, call me exactly at this time. Like and I'll, I'll talk you through how the meeting went. That type of thing. I think that that's that's a really healthy thing to do.
3: I think you can, um, see the need there for even even in the worship set. Like those people are called to a higher standard, and I think you know, I'm. That's very cool that she didn't, you know, assume motives. And was able to to minister in that way. Um, that's that's incredible. Um, but yeah, I, being prepared is the most important right. thing you can do.
0: Prepared, predecision. Go ahead, Caleb. No, I'm good. Oh, you took a big no. deep breath, so I thought something dramatic was going to come out. So no big deal. <laughs> but guys, <Okay>. there <gasps> is a lot that we could continue to talk about here about Proverbs twenty three. But need to make a little announcement here because everyone at this table is super giddy about what we're going to do. But. Next week, we are going to be starting Matthew 1, okay? Where we're going to be starting Matthew with Matthew 1. We are very, very excited about this. Everyone that is connected to the forging table that's been on here before, we're excited about this. And I, to give you a little peek behind the curtain, like three or four months ago, the people that were part of the forging table at that time, we came together and we're like, Hey, let's talk about the stuff we would want to, you know, talk about. Like, hey, do we want to, you know, take some breathers and do some Psalms and Proverbs? Hey, what about Nehemiah? Hey, but what about this? What about this? Well, how many Pauline epistles should we do in the same year and that type of thing? But from the very beginning, I said, guys, I have an idea. And if it's stupid, tell me. But I want to do a gospel because I think it's time. The forging table is solidified. It's part of the rotation of our show. Let's do a gospel, and I want the discussion of the resurrection, to be on Easter 2024. And everyone just goes, yep, let's do it. So we decided in Matthew, and so we're going to be in Matthew, and that ends Easter 2024. We basically use that as our our rubric or guideposts for what we would be studying basically since we got into 1 Timothy. right? Like we've been planning this for this long. That's partially why we're so giddy and excited about this, and we'll get more into the significance but obviously everything that we talk about at the forging table every scripture that is not inside the gospels is about what happened in the gospels the narrative of this book is pointing to a single sacrifice and a single person that came here to pay for us to have a way to be before a holy and just god so i'm so excited to dig into that for you guys out there that are mega mega readers I want us to kind of talk about at the table as we go through Matthew, the different uh, concordances that we're reading or the different commentaries or the different resources we're bringing to the table because we're camped out in Matthew. It's the longest book we're going to get into so far. And it's going to take us a long time and we're going to be able to dig very, very deep. So we are very excited for it. Guys, you need to come back next week prepared to talk and listen about Matthew 1. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Guys, the way we're able to pull off the forging table is because we have donors. We have guys that want us to be able to equip men around the globe to push back darkness. So they become monthly donors. They've gone to Undaunted Life backslash donate, undaunted.life backslash donate rather. That link is in the bio. Hop on board. Whatever you can do, be a part of the team. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, perpetua which is off their self-titled debut album on face down records the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah